Last week we began a new series called What's Love Got to Do With It? We started this series last week, February, Valentine's Day. We tend to often talk about love when it comes to February in the church. And last week we talked all about God's love for you, right? We talked, we, we looked at John 3.16 in depth. We talked about, number one, what God's love is, or the fact that Scripture says God is love. God is the epitome of love. Pure love is who God is. The second part we looked at is that God gave everything, right? It said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? He gave everything for you and I, that love. And I talked about how that's hard for us to even comprehend that kind of of love, and I made the analogy where I said, you know, I have, we have our baby girl coming in a month or so, and I don't think that I could ever give her up for somebody else, right? I don't, I don't know that I have enough love that I would ever give up my child for somebody else, but God did. That's how much God loves us. And somebody asked me the question, they said, well, would you give yourself up for your child? And I said, well, yeah, in heartbeat. You know, as a parent, I would. But to give up my child for somebody else would be very, very difficult. And then we also looked at how salvation is available to all people. So if you continue reading on in John 3.16, that it says that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That whoever, that all people have the opportunity to make the decision. We have free will where we get to choose whether we want to come into relationship with God or not. And so that, that's kind of a, a short uh, conclusion of what we talked about last week and God's love for us. And today we're going to talk about our love for God, how we can love God, how we can show our love for God, how we can express our love for God. But before we get into Scripture, I want us to take a few moments and we're going to watch a short news clip. Is it, no? Okay, we're not going to watch a short news clip. Uh, but basically, I'll explain to you what this news clip was. About three, four years ago, actually, in March, it'll be four years, there was a public bus driver, I believe it was in Dayton, Ohio, who was driving a bus, and he got attacked. Someone came onto the bus, they stabbed him a couple times, and they shot him three times in the chest. The ambulance shows up, the EMT show up, and they're amazed to hear that the guy is standing there, and they're thinking, you got shot three times in the chest. How are you standing here? So what happened was, is the guy had a Bible in his pocket of his chest. And all three of the shells went into the Bible, but none of them came, went through the Bible. None of them made it through. And so the guy said, yeah, I mean, I feel like a truck ran into my chest. You know, like, my chest hurts really bad. But he was amazed to see uh, or they were amazed to see that this guy was relatively well for having been shot in the chest three times. And it was just this idea, and the guy said, why do you carry your Bible with you at work? You're a bus driver. You probably don't really have time to read while you're driving the bus. He said, I don't, but I bring God's word with me everywhere I go because I love God. It's part of, it's part of the decision that I've made in my life is that I bring God with me everywhere that I go. And literally, in the story, God's word saved his life, right? Literally, physically, God's word, the Bible, saved his life. Because were it not for the Bible in his pocket, he'd have had three through his chest and he'd have been down 
for the count. And why do I say that? Because, you know, I think not only does this, this guy love God, he loved God enough that he said, I'm going to bring God's word with me everywhere. But he also, he had an appreciation for God's word, right? It's one thing to love God, and it's kind of another thing at times for someone to truly love Scripture. They, they go hand in hand, yes, if you love God, you should love Scripture. There should be a desire. But if we're all honest, we can say, you know what? I love God, and I have a great relationship with Him. But sometimes it is kind of difficult to really spend time in God's Word and have that zeal and that passion for God's Word in our heart. Why is it important? Because Hebrews 4.12 4, Hebrews says, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and of marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. What is God's Word? It's living. It's powerful. It's active. It's moving. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. So the question today is not how much does God love you. We already talked about that last week. We talked about how much God loves us and His, His, His unending love for us. Or how much that guy in the video loves God, right? We, it, it's apparent through what he said, at least, that it seems as though he loves God a great deal. But the question I want to ask you this morning is how much do you love God? Not in a condemning way, not in a way of trying to put anybody down, I ask myself this question too. How much do I love God? Today we're going to look at three truths as we consider our love for God. And the passage we're going to be looking at for the most part is Matthew 22, 37, 38. So if you'd like, you can turn to that at this time. Three things we're going to look at today. Number one, you are to love God with all of your heart. Number two, to love God with all of our soul. And number three, to love God with all of our mind. Those are the three truths that we're going to take out of this passage today. And this is what it says, starting in verse 37. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Right? Or if you go all the way back to Deuteronomy... 6, 5, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So we see this multiple times throughout Scripture, this exact idea taught that we are to love God with our heart, with our soul, with our mind. Number one, as I said, is to love God with all of our heart. Right? If we sit here, we go, yes, our heart is not just a physical muscle. It's not just a muscle that pumps the blood through our body. The heart is the core of our being, right? Without our, our heart, our body can't function. We need our heart. It, it, it's the source of our life as far as the physical sense goes. It's the very essence of who you are. Your heart is the essence of who you are. And as you examine your heart, it's important to understand the natural condition of your heart. And what do I mean by natural condition? Scripture tells us very clearly about our hearts and how we have to be careful. In Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, 
The Bible defines the heart as being deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Right? So our heart in our nature, in our flesh, is one that can be very deceitful. One that can be desperately wicked. Jesus also said in Matthew 15, 19, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, and blasphemy. Out of the heart, out of our heart, these things flow, it says. So we see that our human heart is full of sin. Right? It's full of sin and unrighteousness. It says that lust and fornication and greed, jealousy, murder, strife, all these things flow from out of our heart, our source of who we are. These are the characteristics of a heart, though. It also says, if you continue reading on those passages, that has not been transformed yet by Jesus in the grace and mercy that was provided through his death. Therefore, all of humanity is in dire need of a spiritual heart transplant. Right? We all need a new heart. And that's why we love Ezekiel 36, 26, where it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. God said, I know that your heart in its natural state is one that's evil, one that's desperately wicked, one that the source of sin comes from. But I love you so much that you don't have to keep that heart. I can give you a new heart, removing that heart of stone and giving you a heart of flesh. Ezekiel, this is in the Old Testament, so this is before Jesus had come. He was predicting what God was one day going to do through Jesus Christ. He was predicting, he was, he was foreshadowing what was going to happen through the life of Jesus Christ. That God would one day make it possible for our deceitful, wicked, wretched hearts to be transformed into a new heart. We can't change our hearts on our own, though. Right? You and I, we can't sit here and go, well, by myself, I'm going to make my heart less sinful, less wicked, less less set on these different things. We cannot do it on our own. We can't change our own wickedness. The condition of our heart can only be changed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the only way our heart is transformed. It's through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So if your heart has not been changed yet, Jesus desires this morning to do that for you. Jesus wants to come into your heart in transforming, to replace that heart of stone with a heart of flesh, to put a new spirit inside of you. And the moment that you turn away from your sins and you trust Jesus as your Savior, that new heart comes into you. The Bible says, as we sang in that song during a worship time in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away, Behold, all things have become new. Right? When we come into a relationship with Christ, God says, you know what, what, what your past has looked like, the things that you've done, I'm going to throw those into the depths of the sea. I don't even, I'm not even going to remember those. I'm not even going to think upon those things. 
Because that is your old self, and you are a new creation in Jesus Christ. In other words, when we make a decision to receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, not only does it change our heart, but we become a new creation. But that starts by evaluating our heart. Let me ask you this question. Do you love God? Has your heart been changed? Are you in relationship with Christ? Right? Because we can come into a relationship with Christ and surrender our heart to Him, but the reality is, is we can turn away from God just as quickly as we can turn to God. And so we have to constantly be evaluating ourselves and saying, where am I at in my relationship with the Lord? Your love for Him begins by surrendering your heart to Him. That's where it all begins, where the love begins, with our heart, by surrendering our life to Him. The second thing, as I said, is you are to love God with all of your soul. With all of your soul. God is not just the creator of heavens and earth. He's also the creator of all humanity. Right? So contrary to what many of our students are being taught in school today, myself growing up was taught much of this, humans did not just evolve, right? We're not just the result of some cosmic big bang that happened and all of a sudden everything came into existence, right? We know that is not how existence came into being. But rather in Genesis 1, 26 and 27 we read, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Right? So that, it says God not only created humans, it says that he created them in his image. In God's image. What is, what is the image of God? Maybe you're going, what, what does that look like? What does it mean to be the image of God? Well, Scripture, it describes God as being the Trinity, right? We have God the Father, we have Jesus Christ the Son, and then we have the Holy Spirit. It's one God who exists in three distinct persons, as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And similarly, when we look at our bodies, we can look at our bodies as, as having three different parts to it. We have a body, we have a spirit, and we have a soul. Our body, our spirit, our soul, those are the three things that make up our being. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, it says this. Paul says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved, blameless, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who will also who also will do it. So may God, the peace of God, sanctify you completely, right? That's the idea of becoming more like Jesus each and every day, the process of sanctification. But it said, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody has a physical body, right? And our physical body, it needs to rest. It needs food. It needs water. 
It needs exercise. There's, there's so many things that our physical body needs. We get, we get physically tired. We get exhausted. We get worn down. Our body can be both strong and weak. And we associate with the here and the now for our physical body, right? You know, we don't, we don't run a marathon and then two years later go, man, I'm really tired from that marathon that I ran two years ago, right? Physically, we'd be tired at the moment that we ran it. And maybe for a few days or weeks afterwards, we might be feeling the effects of something like that. But our physical body associates with the here and the now that we're going through. Your physical body has flesh, and it's made up of many parts. Right? Our body is very complex. It is truly a miracle the way that God puts our bodies together. Think about that. For thousands of years, we've been trying to figure out our human body. And there's still so much we don't know. That's how complex God made our body. But in addition to a physical body, every human being also has a spirit. And our spirit is what connects us with God. That's what helps us to connect with God. One theologian had this to say about the idea of us having a spirit. He said, The human spirit is not something that is dead in an unbeliever, but comes to life when someone trusts in Christ. Because the Bible talks about unbelievers having a spirit that is obviously alive, but is in rebellion to God. Right? So every human being, each of us, has a spirit inside of us. It's just, who is our spirit attendant to? Who is our spirit connecting with and longing to? Is it longing and connecting with God in relationship? Or is it connecting in relationship with the things of this world? Every human being has also been created with the soul. Although this life is short, right? When you think of in terms of eternity, right? It says that our life is like a vapor, right? It's short. And our body will one day cease to exist, but our soul will live on forever. Hebrews 9.27, And as it is appointed for man to die once, but after this, the judgment. One author describes it this way, The soul is the essence of our being. Or another one said, In other words, Personhood is not based on having a body. A soul is what is required. Repeatedly in the Bible, people are referred to as souls. So sometimes when you're reading through Scripture, especially depending on what translation you're reading in, it may say souls, and it's actually referring to people. That's what it's referring to in those Scriptures. Many times today, right, we hear people say, I found my soulmate, right? I found my soulmate. And in this world... We love and we cherish other people. However, I want to say this morning, our soul wasn't created for another person. Our soul was created to have a relationship with God. That's who our soul was created for, not for another person. With our soul, the essence of our being, we are to love the Lord our God. An author said this, We are to love God with our passions, hungers, perceptions, and thoughts. But we are also to love Him with how we talk and what we do with our hands and how we utilize our talents and how we react to challenges. Our entire being is to display that we love God. Right? Everything that we do should be to display our love for God, to point people towards who He is, to bring glory and honor to God. So first, we are to love God with our whole heart. Secondly, we are to love Him with our whole soul. The third thing we'll talk about this morning is loving Him with our whole mind. 
1944, Frederick D. Patterson founded the United Negro College Fund to provide college tuition, money, and scholarship funds for 39 private, historically black universities. 27 years later, for searching for ways, while searching for ways to raise awareness for the funds and to provide additional opportunities for students, he hired an advertising agency to coin the slogan. Listen to this. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. That was the slogan that he had, that a mind is a terrible thing to waste. The slogan is still being used today, and I think we would all agree, a mind is a terrible thing to be wasted. We all know people that are smart, that are, are gifted and talented, and they've kind of just wasted their mind, whether it was maybe through extended use of drugs and different things, but you can just tell kind of the mind is just not really there anymore, and there's nothing more terrible than seeing a mind that has been wasted. Researchers tell us that the human mind produces 70,000 thoughts per day. So you're going to think 70,000 thoughts today. And can you imagine what society would look like if these thoughts from each and every person focused upon God? Right? If, if, even if we took half of our thoughts, 35,000 thoughts a day, and focused them on God. Could you imagine the impact that that could make on our world? If we focus on God. Someone once said, you can't help what thoughts flash before your mind, but you can certainly help what stays there. Right? We can't always help the thoughts that come to our mind, but we can certainly help what stays there. Whether or not you realize it, we are in the battlefield every day. There's a war being waged for your mind causing division and strife, yet you've been called to love God with all of your mind. How are we to accomplish that? Well, we start by surrendering our mind to God. Some may think that it's okay to have bad thoughts as long as you don't act on them. However, you've got to give God all your thoughts. Paul says in 2 Corinthians that we are able to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We're able to bring every thought into captivity in obedience to Christ. Saying, you know, we have that thought pop into our mind that, that is, is bad and, and um, opposite of what God wants us. We can, we can say, Jesus, take this out of my mind. Take this thought away from me. Remove this thought. We can take captivity the thoughts of our minds. In other words, we let go of our thoughts that, become bef that come before our mind and we give them to Jesus. The book of Proverbs gives some insight concerning this. Proverbs 4.23 Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. Be careful what you think for your thoughts run your life, right? So you can think, hey, these thoughts are innocent. They're, they're nothing, they're not the majority of what I think about and what I spend my time pondering on. But be careful because the things that we think upon become the things that we do. Instead of harboring or thinking on these thoughts that are unclean, that are impure, lustful, deceitful, doubtful, evil, full of hatred or selfish, give those thoughts to Jesus. You have to say, Jesus, I don't want to think about this anymore because I know it's not pleasing to you. Jesus, help me to not think about these things. I know oftentimes as parents, 
when you have young children and maybe they deal with nightmares or bad dreams and you try to teach them, you can take your thoughts captive and give them to Jesus. So when you have that scary thought come into your mind, just say, Jesus, please take that thought out of my mind. And it's the same way for us as adults to say, no, that thought is not pleasing to you. Jesus, please take that thought out of my mind. We surrender our mind and every thought that comes our way to Jesus. Do you realize that you don't just need Jesus to help you every day, but we, we really need Jesus to help us every second, every minute, every hour, every day, every week, every month, every year, on and on. Why? Because the devil wants to control your mind. That's the reality. We live in a world where the devil is constantly trying to get a hold of your mind. He wants the evil thoughts that flash before you to make your way from your mind down into your heart, from your thoughts down into your heart of who you are. And if you've given God your heart, that's impossible. However, they can plague your mind unless you release them and surrender them to Jesus. Therefore, don't dwell on the impure thoughts that go through your mind. Instead, give Jesus complete and total control of your heart, your soul, and your mind. The mind is a terrible thing to waste. What will you do with the thoughts that flash before your mind? Will you allow the devil to continue to have a stronghold? Or will you relinquish control and give it to Jesus? John MacArthur said it this way, Genuine love of the Lord is intelligent, feeling, willing, and serving. It involves thought, sensitivity, intent, and every action where that is possible and appropriate. God has never sought either empty words or empty ritual. His desire is for the person himself, not simply what the person possesses. If he truly has the person, he inevitably has all the person possesses as well. And just as God loves us with his whole being, we are to return his love with our whole being. Right? So if we love God with everything that we have, that means everything that we possess, everything that we do, love God. Ought to love God. What he's getting at is that we are to love God with everything we have. Every fiber of our heart, every fiber of our soul, and every fiber of our mind. Here are a couple of tests and questions for us to think about when we go, how you know, do I love the Lord? Or how am I loving the Lord right now? These are some self-reflection questions that you can ask yourself. They also have scripture references with them. First one, do you keep his commandments? Do you keep what God's word teaches us to do as believers? Do you help those who are in need? Do you love one another? Do you do what you do to honor God? Or do you, do, or do you want the honor or recognition for yourself? Are you doing it for you? Or are you doing it for God. Do you trust the Lord? That's a hard one sometimes, especially when things don't go like we thought they should. Sometimes it's hard to trust the Lord. Do you strive to obey Him? Do you strive with the best of your ability to, to obey Him and do what it is that He asks you to do? Do you love what God loves and hate what God hates? Right? Because as we give God our heart and we give Him our mind and our soul, the things that God desires should become the things that we desire. We begin to, to have the same desires that God does, to love the things that He loves 
and to be opposed to the things that he's opposed to? And does it bother you when you sin? Or do you go, it's not a big deal. It was one time. Like, I, I won't do it again. Or, or when you sin, do you go, I, I, I messed up again. God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'm trying my best. I'm giving you everything I have. And I know sometimes I come up short, but I'm doing my best. Next week, we're going to look at the final part of our series and talking about our love for other people. So we've talked about God's love for us. We've talked about how we love God and the ways that we can love God. And next week, we're going to look at the idea of loving other people. We're going to close out this morning with a time of prayer and worship so the worship team will come back up at this point. I want to encourage you this morning, maybe you're sitting here and you struggle with loving God with all of your heart, first and foremost. You haven't surrendered your heart to God yet, and today you want to make that decision. I want to encourage you to come forward and pray with one of our leaders who are going to be up here at the front. And we'll just pray with you. And if you have questions, you can feel free to ask questions at that time. Maybe you're struggling in your soul, where you're going, you know what? My, my, my being, I'm trying to give everything I have to God, but I'm just struggling. There's just days where it seems like I'm just losing the battle and the world's winning and God isn't. Or maybe you're struggling in your mind. You have thoughts that have come into your mind that you just haven't been able to, to surrender those to Jesus yet and you're continuing to struggle with those thoughts and those ideas. I want to encourage you this morning to come forward for prayer, to ask that God would work in your mind, that God would remove those thoughts. God, we believe that there are greater things still to come to this city. Father, to come to Chisholm, to come to the Iron Range, Father, to come to our world. We believe that the greatest things are yet to come. God, that you're going to continue to pour your spirit out like you never have before. God, I pray that as a church, we would be ready to receive that. God, that we would be ready empowered and equipped and enabled to go out with the good news. Father, I pray this morning that you would continue, Father, to help us to love you with everything we have, to love you with our whole heart, to love you with our whole soul, to dedicate ourselves to you. Father, to love you with our whole minds. God, that our thoughts would be fixed upon you, not upon anything else. God, that as the things that come into our mind that are not pleasing to you, God, that we would surrender them and give them to you, that we wouldn't hold on to them and try to fight against them ourselves, that we would simply say, Jesus, I surrender this thought to you. I ask that you would take it away. God, give us the strength and the courage and help us to be humble enough to say that we know we can't do it on our own, that we need you, God. We desperately, desperately need you. We can't do it on our own. We can't do it as a group, Father. We need you. Father, as we move into our time of fellowship with our potluck and into our annual business meeting, Father, we pray that you will bless the food to our bodies, God. We pray you bless the hands that provided it and bless our time of fellowship. God, that it would be honoring to you. 
God, we pray that as we look at our business, Father, from this last year and look forward to this year, God, that we would just celebrate, God, the things that you've done. God, the victories that have come to this church, to this community, Father, as a result of what you are doing here. God, continue to just pour out your spirit upon us. God, we look to you. You're our source of life, our source of strength. God, our source of everything. We thank you. Father, help those who are heading home now, Father, to, to return home safely. God, we pray that you clear the roads. God, there wouldn't be any issues with travel, Father. Protect them from everything seen and unseen. God, we give you praise and honor and glory for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray.